The young and I are people who live in around Migathera and Kew. It's around uh, 21,000 uh, square hectares. It's bordering the sea people and the desert people from the Western Desert Mob. Traditionally been a gold mining town uh, during the gold rush eras. Uh, there is not a lot of people living there. And the Yogan and I people originally came through Western Desert Mob and then settled into uh, the area around Kew. And that happened mid-19th century. Uh, 1850s, 1860s, though there was a few people before that, but en masse they came. So there's uh, basically uh, three apicals, uh, apical ancestors that that came through, and uh, that was Annie Wilbur, uh, Dolly Ward, and Jimmy Wheelbarrow. And they are the apical ancestors for the Yugen and I group. There are around 340 Yugen and I are now native title holders over the age of 18, and they are spread out around all around Australia. We have some in Brisbane. We have some in Port Lincoln in South Australia. There's a good few in Perth. Uh, and there's around 120, 130 still living on country. I did first became involved in the group, well, working with the group in early 2019. Their representative body left them. The representative body, uh, YMAC at the time, had tried to convince the group to pursue a, a certain path towards their determination. Uh, the group at the time, uh, as, a, as a composer at the time, disagreed with it, and to their credit, tried a number of times, and then YMAC had told the group that they couldn't represent them anymore, and uh, then the group came looking for another lawyer, and uh, they knocked on my door, and they told me what they wanted and, and, and how they wanted to proceed, and we had a discussion, and that started the ball rolling. The number one thing, in my opinion, and I've been working in Native Title now for 20 years plus, is relationships. So the first thing that I would do is just listen. I would go out on country, um, go to people's homes, listen to what they've said. I don't mention anything about the law, or, and I know people want to do it. They say, oh, well, you got to do this. I said, no, can you just tell me your story? And uh, I spent probably three or four weeks just listening to people, uh, especially some of the senior elders in the area, as well as the younger people, of what it means to, for them to be Yogan and I. And in a lot of cases, there wasn't that understanding of what it meant to be Yogan and I, what differentiated them from any other mob in the area. So as I was listening to the elders and then thinking about the process and, and how I could incorporate their story into the process, and, and that's the hardest part, of it, how do you get this through? So it's a long journey. It's it's a really satisfying journey listening to it. And, you know, just over many cups of tea, sitting down in people's houses or out on the lawn and uh, just listening. And it is a time-intensive process. But it's like all deals or all cases. You've got to do your due diligence, as we call it. And in this case, in Native Title, because relationships and connection to country are fundamental to the Native Title process, or due diligence or my due diligence is listening to those stories and not actually saying what we need to do, just listening and then coming back, reflecting on what's been told to me, uh, and then coming up with a strategy to how to get the case back up and running and how do we address these issues. Uh, and that's that's it. There was a lot of issues within the group, the intergroup issues that need to be addressed and, and how to address them. Uh, and my view is it's, uh, a lot of times people try to um, ignore them or, or kick them down the road for another day. My view is, okay, let's listen and let's try to deal with them because I need to get instructions, I need to formulate or, or work with the group 
about how to put their corporations together and the corporations need to take account of uh, intergroup politics or dynamics and that's, that, that takes a long time. So that's why relationships are so important and spending the time to get to understand people and understand their story. The determination, what does it actually mean legally for the people? The determination is twofold. There is exclusive possession and non-exclusive possession. So the non-exclusive possession is where young and a native title holders will have native title rights but will live and exercise those rights with the current landowners who are there, who are in the area, and that can be pastoralists or miners. And how that happens in reality, say with a pastoralist, is that we come together. Uh, the PBC will come with the pastoralists, and they come with a protocol about how they can access country. And normally, mainly for a safety reason, because the pastoralists do have obligations in, in ensuring that there's um, safe uh, occupational health and safety on the site. So. They, it's normally you give you know 24 or 48 hours notice and say, we'd like to go camping out there, we'd like to go hunting or whatnot. Just giving the notice, and that's how hopefully it will eventuate. And it's the same with mining. Again, it's a bit more difficult with mining because there can be blasting and there can be vehicles going around and things like that. But in my experience, it does happen. It just takes some time for people to sit down and come with a protocol. And then for the group to understand what the protocol is, you know, handing out these is the number of folks. If you want to go out in country, give them a call the day before and they'll go out. And it's normal, you know, when you have had a good rainfall and you wait two or three days and you want to go, it's okay, now I'll go hunting and the animals will be out. I'm going to give them a call. So people will know with the seasons that, yeah, they're going to come out now. So you, you start preparing for it. And that process will take time, um, but it, it will occur. And it's just a matter of educating people so they know the process to go through. So um, that is the non-exclusive. And then there's the exclusive possession. So the exclusive possession is that to the exclusion of all others, native title holders, the Ogunanay people, will be able to exercise their native title rights to the exclusion of all others on those lands. So around 20% of the claim area was exclusive and 80% was non-exclusive. We are going back for a second round. Some areas where there, where we could have got non-exclusive, but after negotiating with the state, we felt that we can get additional evidence which would push it over the line to exclusive, and we're in the process of doing that. So come March next year, the anthropologists will go out with some of the guys out in country and to hopefully get more evidence to be able to support a claim for exclusive possession over those areas. And, and there are a couple of large stations which have now reverted back to uh, UCL, unclaimed crown land, and um, hopefully we'll have the evidence to make that exclusive. And if, we, if that evidence is found and the state agrees with it, I would say nearly 50% of the claim area will then become exclusive native title. Getting an understanding of time, a large number of people certainly agree that the connection to country in Australia is pretty unique. I do believe that for Aboriginal people do have the longest connection to country out of all people in all nations across the world whether that's 50, 60 or 70,000 years. We're only here on this country for a millisecond when you look at it in the spectrum of things. And people's connection to country go back, I, I view it from, from a cultural and from the story's point of view, listening to how people talk about their stories, about their connection to country. I love learning about how different people connect to country. When I was uh, working up in uh, Kananara, I worked with the Mirwan Gajran people 
and I had the privilege of going out on country during law ceremony with some of the elder men and those young boys, and uh, I learned that process. It's an extremely intellectual way of dealing with it, even from a Western point of view. It's an oral history, and, and most histories are oral histories. You know, the written word didn't come in until around the 16th, 17th century. So there's an oral history process there, and the process of dissemination amongst mobs, whether it is the Ognune or the Mirawang Gajarang or the Injibani or the Nolama people in, in, in the Pilbara, it's a very similar process. And people will be surprised at how similar cultures are across the world and how they transmit that knowledge. And it, it is a great way of doing it. So I could imagine, you know, if we bought an elder from Kananara or Alice Springs or, or Megathera and brought them over to Canada or to Norway to meet some of the indigenous people there, they would find there's a lot of similarities in, in how they communicate their stories and their connection to country. The Yoganunay claim was originally filed in 1996, and it is an accumulation of around four or five claims in the air, so they came together. And then through a period, it, it didn't really get kicked off till around 2013, when the anthropologist went out and started doing connection material. Um, and that delay process was actually, which, which was a conscious process, which the courts, if you want to say the native title system, started prioritizing cases. And unfortunately, this case, you know, was put on the back burner for many years. And when the anthropologists started going out in country, you've had 16 years there where there's been very little activity. And uh, people can get frustrated, people pass away. And so that's the first backward step rather than a forward step. That was a backward step because it took such a long time for people's stories to be gathered and the connection material to be put down in a form of evidence to be presented to the to the court uh, or to the state first, I should say. And Megatheri, there is a divide in the town, unfortunately. There is a, a view expressed by many non-Indigenous people, which, you know, unfortunately, it is their reality. Uh, it is not their reality, but it's their reality. And uh, we have to overcome those issues. And overcoming those issues can only occur, in my opinion, by sitting down and talking with them. Um, and by them, by people being exposed to the stories of people who, who are the custodians and at the time uh, the native title applicants and the claimants in the area, listening to the stories and, and other people getting an understanding of their connection to country and how do you accommodate that. So that process is frustrating, but it does take time, just like my learning process of understanding the stories and going out in country. Uh, the, the wider community needs to go through that too, and how do you facilitate that? So there was some opposition to it from miners and, and smaller miners and pastoralists, but through the process of having those discussions and sharing the information with them, it ended up being a consent determination, and they all consented to it once the state agreed to it. Then um, and all the other respondent parties fell into line. So, but it is a long process. I mean, native title is a long process. It's it's not like going to court for a commercial matter or an, an ordinary commercial matter. It does take time, and the reason for that time is because of the number of parties, the various institutions that are involved. But probably mostly in terms of developing the relationships and, and getting the, the confidence of those who have the evidence to give their story.